Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Several things have taken place in John chapter 19 that we see early on that the soldiers, they mocked Jesus, Pilate wanted to release Jesus, but he caved to the pressure and delivered Jesus over to be crucified. And in verse 17, we see Jesus carrying his own cross to a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, skull where they crucified Jesus along with the two others. And if you've ever wondered why it's the place of the skull, that, uh, why it's called that, you should look that up because it is pretty interesting. And in those days, you understand when they crucified someone, they would write the crime that that person committed over their head while they were on the cross. And Pilate, interesting enough, wrote these words John chapter 19 talks about. He wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. It was written in Hebrew, it was written in Greek, and it was written in Latin. And the soldiers we see took Jesus' garments and they cast lots as it was written before this even. Jesus speaks now to his beloved disciple, John, in verses 26 and verses 27. He says, woman, here is your, your son, and the disciple, here is your mother. In other words, he's saying, John, would you take care of my mom after I'm gone? And we pick up the story in John 19, verse 28, and the Bible says this later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would now be fulfilled, Jesus spoke again, and he said that I, he said, I'm thirsty. Realizing all the way back from Psalm 69 and verse 21 was not yet finished, it was prophesied there that they would give Jesus vinegar for his drink. And he spoke out and he said, I am thirsty. And then God fulfilled the prophecy in verse 29. The Bible says a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. In verse 30, the Bible says, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, and these are the words we're going to look at today that are very important and they are very power-packed, it is finished. Come on, can you say that with me? It is finished. Come on, let's say it again. It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. As Jesus is suspended between heaven and earth, Jesus gave these inspired words. This is not a cry of defeat, but it is a cry of victory. I hope you understand that. Jesus said it's finished, and he's, this one Greek word is so power-packed, it's hard to literally put it into words, that it is the word translated to telestai. It can be translated to end or complete, execute, or to discharge a debt. The Bible shows us that Jesus, now knowing that all was complete, he said to the Lord God the words of victory to tell us die, it is finished, it is now complete. Now, now this word was often used in three different ways in the life and the time of Jesus in the first century. This word was used when a servant 
would return to his or her master and say to Telestai, to say, I have finished the project that you have sent me to do. I have finished your work. It was used in a second way when a merchant would place a stamp upon a piece of paper saying that the debt has been paid in full to Telestai. It is completed. You owe nothing more. It was used in a third way in that day that when someone would bring a sacrificial lamb or an animal before a priest who would inspect the animal to see whether it was worthy uh, to be sacrificed, if the animal didn't have a spot or blemish, the priest would say, tell us die. This, this is worthy. This animal is worthy to be sacrificed because this animal is absolutely perfect. Charles Spurgeon wrote that this one word, which would need all the other words that were ever spoken to explain it, he says, is altogether immeasurable. It is high. I cannot contain it. It is deep. I cannot fathom it. Jesus on the cross, knowing that all had been completed, he said to Telestai, it is finished. What was finished? Well, let me just talk about this for a moment, that the perfect work of Jesus was finished. The servant returning to the master and saying, I finished the work, master, that you have called me to do, and I have accomplished it. It is now finished. Jesus is saying, now the debt has been paid in full. The word to telestai is a happy word. It is a word of joy. We may look at it as a word of defeat, but it's not. It was not known of that in that day. It is a word of happiness It is a word of joy that something was finished, something was complete, that there is nothing left, that your sin and my sin has been paid for by the shed blood of Jesus Christ to tell us die. And here we see the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world, saying, this is the perfect sacrifice. Nothing more needs to be added because he is absolutely perfect. And now, when you and I, we place our faith in the perfect work of Jesus Christ today, we can say, to tell us die, it has been finished and it has been accomplished for us. This, I want you to know, does not mean that Jesus gave up, that he was done for, or that he was saying, hey, I'm taking a break here. It's not a word of surrender. It means a word of accomplishment, that he accomplished the will of God. He didn't say, I'm finished. It was not the end for him. But it was the beginning of a new chapter in his eternal existence and the fulfillment of salvation for you and for me. So listen, if, if you want God to build your faith, I just want to encourage you to rewind a little bit as you look in God's word and take some time and read the 27 plus uh, prophecies that took place even before the birth of Jesus. And God, God said, this is what's going to take place in the New Testament. And it's absolutely amazing. And we see God bring fulfillment of all of these prophecies. Jesus, with the cry of victory to tell us die, he said, it is finished. Imagine this. Jesus did everything that the Father sent him to do. But you and I have not yet accomplished all that God has called us to do. You and I still have unfinished business upon this earth, and in fact, as long as you and I have breath in your body, you and I have unfinished business. If you believe that, say yes. And here's a thought for today. 
you have unfinished business. Could you just turn to the person next to you wherever you are at today, whether online or the right here at Stephen City or in Clearbrook, come on, would you tell that person, hey, you have unfinished business. I, I hope this message recalibrates your spirit today. You have unfinished business, and so do I today. We, we realize Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God has plans to bless us, plans to prosper us, plans to give us hope in the future, that God has his good and perfect will planned for you and for me. We have unfinished business. Most of you, you, you understand that you have unfinished business in your life right now. And it, it could be a small issue, but if you don't deal with it quickly, though, and with integrity, that issue will grow and become an enormous problem. Jesus was talking to the church in Sardis, in, verse, uh, in, in Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and this is what he said. He said, I know your deeds. And he said, you have a reputation. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. In other words, you have a reputation maybe of having what looks good from the outside. You have a reputation of being alive, but in fact, you are dead. And you know, that can come out in so many different ways in our life, um, you know, financially, maybe you have a reputation for being financially strong, but the truth of the matter, <clears throat> excuse me, you know this, that um, you're drowning in financial debt today, and it's hurting you day in and day out. Maybe speaking spiritually, some of you may look on and say, yeah, that, that person maybe looks like they have it all together, but the truth of the matter is, you know, on the inside of your life, your relationship with God is absolutely flat today. It's dead. That there's no intimacy. There's no time that you have with God in his presence that you give. And Jesus said, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are really dead. And he says these words, wake up. That's the words that he is giving to you and to me today into the body of Christ. He says, wake up. He says, you know, you, 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 you seem like you're alive, but really maybe you're flatlined and you're dead. And he says, so you need to wake up. Can somebody say wake up today? That's right. He says, I want you to wake up, strengthen what remains, because it's about ready to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God, and he wants us to finish this race. The problem is, it may be small today in our life, but over time, it can be enormous if we don't take care of those things. You have unfinished business, and so do I. We have a task that God has yet for us to complete, to tell us die. He said, it is finished, it's fulfilled, it's been done. And so the apostle Paul tells us in Acts 20 and 24, he said, however, I consider my life worth nothing. How much to me? It's worth nothing, nada, as long as I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus Christ has given me to do. What was the task for him? Well, the task was to testify to the gospel of God's grace and the good news. That's what we're supposed to do, that we have unfinished work left to do upon this earth, that you and I have unfinished business. You do and, and I do. And so we are called to finish the work that God has called us to do today in our lives. Amen? You say, well, you know what? You know, I'm kind of committed at this church. John, this is my church. But maybe you have unfinished business. And I'd say, you know, if this is your church where there's unfinished business, that you would become fully a part of the life of this church, right? 
and not just be a bystander, but you would jump in and you would become a part of one of our ALC groups and become a part of an intimate fellowship in, in a Bible study and, and that you would jump in and that, that there is not a way in a church this size you will ever be completely plugged in if you don't get connected into a smaller group of people. That's a promise. I'll guarantee you that. That's an unfinished business if, if you've not taken care of that because that's being obedient to the Lord. Maybe this is your church and you're just kind of coming to the doors every week and I understand, we, we understand people come in the doors of the church and they just kind of kick the tires of the church for a while and they just kind of take a look at what it's about. But after you've been here for so long that you would get in and not just become an observer or a consumer, that, that God is wanting you to come and for you to give back, that you've got some unfinished business, that God has called you to use your gifts to minister to the body of Christ and to the family of Christ. You and I have unfinished business. Amen? I really just hope this, this message gets back into your spirit today and just kind of just recalibrate you because... Sometimes we get at a plateau and a stopping point in our Christian walk, and we think, well, we've done everything that we can do. No, we're not, because you and I are still alive, and there's unfinished business, amen? And there's a mission that's yet to be completed upon the earth that God's called us to live out. You and I got unfinished business. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's unfinished business that maybe you need to get back to budgeting and plug the hole in your boat so that you stop sinking financially, and you honor him with a biblical plan for your resources to show God that you truly do trust in him. Some of you, maybe at one time or another, you made a commitment to give of your tithe and your offering to the local storehouse. And the Bible calls us to worship the Lord through the local church with 10%. That's what he entrusts us with. And then he says, you know, as you do that, he said, I'll pour out my blessing upon you. Some of you maybe have great intentions, but you are not being biblically obedient financially to the storehouse. You got good intentions, but you haven't followed through. Maybe you're suffering in your marriage and it's easy to point the fingers at your spouse and say, well, you know, it's them. And, 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 and God says, you know, hey, there's some fingers pointing back at you. And rather than criticizing, you need to get on your knees before me and repent and let the spirit of God correct you that you have a reputation of being alive, alive but in fact, you are dead. It could be that God's called you to give something to somebody today in need, or he's been impressing it upon you today or in the last couple of weeks, and he wants you to be obedient to his voice. You and I have business that is unfinished, and maybe there's somebody that God wants you to reach out to and, and share with them the love of Jesus, and, and you haven't done it. So, so, so today, would you, would you identify your unfinished business and let the presence and the voice of God speak to you about finishing strong? Amen. Amen? Are you with me, church? Fill in the blank today? How many of you like fill in the blanks? You use fill in the blank today. My unfinished business is this. What is your unfinished business? Every person in here is at least going to have one. Something that God has called you and I to do that we have not done yet. And he wants you to step into the place of obedience today. It is finished. How do we finish strong? 
I mean, really. The Bible teaches us two principles that we'll look at God's word and we can apply it. The first thing to finish strong, God's word teaches us to commit to a finishing decision, to make a decision to step across the line and say, I'm deciding to commit. I'm deciding to finish. One of the big problems today is a lot of people are indecisive. Amen? That's true. Listen, if you really want to know if someone's really indecisive, ask them. If they say, well, yes and no, well, there you go. You got it, right? (laughs) I mean, there you go. We live in such a time of being indecisive and non-committal than ever before, and Jesus does not teach us that as the body of Christ. Are you with me, church? Right? Our society doesn't commit. It's like, no, I just want to keep my options open, right? How many of you know that we make our decisions and our decisions make us, right? Period. That you and I are where we're at today because of decisions that you and I made yesterday. We didn't just arrive here by, oh, I just hope it all works out. No, you made it to where you're at today because of your decisions yesterday and the years back, right? And we're going to make it to tomorrow by those decisions that we made today. And so let me remind you that indecision is a decision as well. Isn't that right? That is a decision. No decision is a decision. And as well, so, so many people, we understand, need to come and say, hey, you know, I'm going to commit. I'm going to make a decision. So, you know, oh, I don't like where I'm at in this chapter Well, we need to do something about it. If you don't like where you're at in the chapter of of your life today, it's not going to just happen by hoping it gets better. That you and I need to commit to a finishing decision. And so Jesus illustrates this in a parable of Luke chapter 14. And I want to just look at that for just a moment, 28 through 30. Jesus said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. You want to build something? You want to do it? You want to do something great? Well, he said... Will he not first down, sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Verse 29, for if he lays the foundation is not able and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will mock him or ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish it. What do you do? You got to come, you got to seek God, you got to seek wise counsel. You need to listen to those that you biblically trust. You seek God in His Word, and then when you hear from Him, you make a commitment. How does this apply to commit to making a finishing decision? Jesus did it absolutely perfect. When He was in the Garden of Gethsemane and He prayed to His Heavenly Father, He said, Father, if it is possible, May this cup of suffering, if there's any way, may this cup of suffering be removed from me. And then what did he do? I believe at that moment he made the decision that no matter what, I will do what the Father has sent me to do. He said, nevertheless, it's not about my will, but Father, your will in heaven that it would be done. It doesn't matter how much pain how much ridicule, how much torture. I believe at that moment he made a finishing decision that no turning back, God, your will be done, not mine. Can you see inside of this how big obedience to God really is? I mean, this is absolutely vital. Not only does it affect me, 
and the one that I love, but our decisions affect so many people that are around us in our lives. Amen? Just be, we think many times, well, if I just make a decision, it's only going to affect me. No, your decision affects everybody around you, and so does mine. And sometimes we don't let the weight of that sink in, but it's very true that our decisions affect other people. That's for sure. And so he, this is Jesus. He's made a finishing decision. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Thank God he didn't just stop there, but he completed the task. And so how does this play out in our lives? There are two benefits. The first thing is this. A finished decision, what it does, it motivates you to endure short-term pain for long-term gain. It motivates us to endure some of the hassles of this life. Let me, let me, let me go back to, uh, if we look in Hebrews, it says, let us fix our eyes on who? Who? Jesus? Yeah, the Lord, Jesus Christ. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, that's for the finish line, he endured the pain of the cross Scorning its shame. Why? For the joy set before him. Tetelestai is about joy. For the joy that was set before him. The finished decision empowered him to endure short-term pain. Another thought in this is, write it down, is a finished decision diminishes negative influence. It doesn't make it go away, but I'm going to tell you, it steals its power. Jesus says, I've come to give my life. Remember this? And Peter said, no, 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 no. No, Jesus, don't die. Let me do it. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Right? It diminishes the negative influence. You have, and I have unfinished business today, and it's time to finish that work, to tell us die. It's completed. The first thing that we do is we commit to that finishing decision. The second thing we do is this, we execute finishing actions. We commit and then we execute. I mean, I don't know how many of you in this room, anybody grew up watching uh, Popeye, Popeye the Sailor Man, any takers on Popeye, younger generation, they won't even know who this is. And so older generation, you know who it is, yes. And uh, you get this and uh, and so you see, I fight to the finish because I eat my spinach. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Toot, toot. Right. Very good. Don't forget the toot, toot, okay? That is the most important part. Anywhere there's a toot, toot, I want to be in on it, all right? Okay? Just toot, toot. I fight to the finish, right? That's right. All the way to the finish. You commit to the decision and then you execute it. Right? Look at what Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11. Here's what he says, now finish the work so, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. Don't, don't miss that. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it According to your means, you just don't hope to do it. You execute it. You take some forward steps, and you take the next step in that direction. If God has called you to do something, take a step in that direction today. Amen? Don't, don't turn around and go a different way. Take the steps towards it 
in the direction that God has called you because remember, your decisions and my decisions, they affect all that we do. All that we do. Take a step in it. Finish the work. Commit and execute and don't give up. Jesus knew that the work that was not finished, that there was more pain for him to endure on the way to the finish line. So what did he do? When he could have stayed down, he fought back. He stood up. He finished the work. Some of you have fallen down today. And the resurrection of the Lord God is inside of you. And he calls you to stand back up and to fight another day. And to say to your spiritual enemy, this fight is not over. Amen? This fight is not over. Thank you, Lord. I will finish the race and I will complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given to me. Paid in full was the defeat of Satan. Listen to me. Listen, church. If Satan cannot destroy us with guilt, he will try to destroy us with fear. But it is futile. Yes, we fight against the spiritual enemy, Satan, today, but the fight is fixed and the outcome is not ever in doubt. You and I have unfinished work to do. Jesus finished the work upon the cross, and he's called you and I to do the same, to tell us die. It is finished, to step across the line, commit to execute, and let God fulfill his perfect plan for your life. That in my heart, that the decision is finished, and now it's time to execute. Simply, simply put, this is just a message today on obedience. Jesus went to the cross and was obedient to the Father. Oh, he didn't have to. Oh, he could have went to the garden. Yeah, I think, well, I think I'm going to try this. No. No. Father, it's not my will, but it is your will. That it would be accomplished and that it will take place. And not only did he stop there. Let me tell you something about the body of Christ. The body of Christ has got to get decisive. The body of Christ has got to get decisive. Because you can't have your feet on both sides of the fence and expect to go forward. The body of Christ has got to be set. Set and be obedient. You got to commit to the finishing decision because there's a lot of work left to do upon this earth. He's called us to do it, and it's time to execute, and it's time to move forward. And, you know, the Greeks, we hear, we hear about the Greeks that, man, they had incre- incredible races and games, but, but the Greeks had a race in the Olympic Games that was so unique. And in that game, the winner wasn't the, the runner who finished first. It was the runner who finished with his torch still lit. Some of you are running today and your, your torch is out. 
fire of the Spirit is no longer inside of you. And you're running aimlessly. Some of you have forgotten why you're running. Some of you have forgotten, what, 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 am I, what am I doing this for? It was a unique game that not only did you run to win, but that the torch is still lit in your life. Come on, is God's spirit alive in you today? Come on, have you made a decisive decision to follow him? And if you need his spirit, there's no better time than now to reach out and say, Lord, I need your spirit. I need your power. I need you to fill me today with more of you, Lord God. That Christ, will you light my life? I want to be lit for you. I don't want to be running aimlessly around with a torch that's not even lit, wondering what am I supposed to do. But the body of Christ is meant to run with a torch that's lit, that's on fire, to blaze the trail forward, to tell other people about Jesus. Hallelujah. That the gospel message will continue to go forward. I pray God's Spirit has spoken to you today. That whatever area... Whatever area in your life today is left undone and God's called you to do it in this moment and in this hour, just between you and Him, would you take care of that business today? It's unfinished. God's calling you to something greater. God's calling you to do it. He's been saying something to some of you for weeks and it's left undone. He wants you to finish strong. Not only that, He'll give you the power of His Spirit to do it. Father, we ask that you would minister to us and help us to engage in the race that you want us to run. That we realize, Lord, that we are human. That, Lord, yes, there's unfinished business in every single one of us. But no matter what it is today, that it could be sin in our life. It's been there a long time. But today that we make a decision and say no more. Today it could be a relational decision. It could be a spiritual decision. It could be a financial decision. I don't know what it may be for you today. But there's something, something that would come to mind that the Holy Spirit has reminded you of. That you would, that you would make a decisive decision decision right now in this holy moment and that you would execute it and do it. Maybe today in this room you say, you know what, there has been something, it's unfinished in my life and you're going to say no it, it, today, I'm going to put an end to that, I'm going to get victory over it, I'm going to be obedient and because of that there will be many lives that are affected around me that I am making a finished decision in my mind. Not only that, it's not going to be emotional only. It's going to be something that I am going to do. If there's something while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, whether you're here, Clearbrook Campus, uh, online, right here in Stephen City, today, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you about something that is unfinished, that today you're making a decisive choice in action 
against, and you are going to overcome it. Can I see your hand? Thank you for the many hands that I see here. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the many hands here, Clearbrook, online. Father God, that you're calling us to complete it, Lord, with your help and your strength. And there may be those of you today, sound of my voice, that you've never made the finishing decision to follow Christ. And this is your moment. That who's going to be first in your life? You've never made that choice. And today, I want you to make that choice. And more importantly than me, that the Lord wants you to make the choice to follow Him. To follow Him, to run the race that's been marked out before you, to know the purpose of your life that's found only in Jesus. And if you've never taken the opportunity to walk across the line today to accept Christ, I just want to take this moment right now and say, would you invite Jesus into your life so that he can change you? He can forgive you. He can cleanse you today. He can set you free today. You'll come and make a decisive choice in this time and in this moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you say, you know what, I want to make the choice to follow Jesus. This is decisive that he will be my priority and he will be my Lord and Savior. Can I see your hand today in this room? Would you raise it? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand, that hand, and that hand. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for the gift of salvation. For a number of hands that were raised, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are our Redeemer and you are our Savior and you are our friend. Thank you for setting lives free, that in this moment we invite you into our life to be the Lord and Savior and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so thank you that we surrender as a whole body of people today to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Thank you for changing us And thank you for setting us free in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.